St. John, chapter 6, beginning to read at verse Glory be to thee, O Lord. be to thee, O Christ. I speak in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In our gospel reading, you can see Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life. Whoever that eats me will not be hungry anymore. Jesus, the bread of life. But this morning, I really want to focus on the Old Testament reading, the second Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12. And I'm going to talk about temptation. We cannot really understand what happened in Second Samuel chapter 11 if we just go down to verse 26 and 27. It's always good to start from verse 1 of Second Samuel chapter 11 and see the real story in that passage. In verse 2 of Second Samuel chapter 11, the Bible says, And it came to pass... In an evening tide, that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof 
of the king's house. In those days, the roof of houses were usually flat. And from the roof, he saw a woman watching, betting herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Remember from that passage, David was not where he's supposed to be. He should have been on the battlefield with his troops fighting against their enemies. Notice that David is getting up from his nap when he should have been out there in the field with his men. He's stretching and he's walking and he sees Belsheba. David is not where he's supposed to be. And he is seeing what he's not supposed to see. Then the first point there is that David should have walked away. This is the first decision point for David. He could have said, no, I'm not going to give in to this temptation And I'm going to fall for it. I see this woman. And she's gorgeous. But I'm just going to walk away. David did not do that. He sent and inquired about Beersheba. He wanted to know more about her. When you are enticed and you see the possibilities... And you ponder over it around in your mind. You are thinking about how good it is going to be to give in to this temptation. David is enticed. Verse 3 of chapter 11 says, Is it not this Beersheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? David ignores the information he receives about Beersheba. This is the second decision point for David. He knows the woman is married. He should walk away. If you look at the first part of 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8, the Bible listed the names of the mighty men whom David had. The chapter goes through the list of these men. And in verse 39, we see Uriah the Hittite. Then if we go to First Chronicles chapter 11, in verse 26, we see the beginning of those who were members of David's valiant men. Then if we go to verse 41, we see again Uriah the Hittite. David had 37 men, warriors, he depended on, that he trusted with his life. Uriah the Hittite was one of those men. He finds out that Bathsheba is Uriah's wife. I think at this point that David should have walked away. 
This is the wife of one of your trusted, most trusted soldiers. One of your mighty men. But David did not do that. In verse 4 of chapter 11, David sent messengers. David's lust overrules his conscience. When he sent messengers, all of his options was limited. When he sent messengers, he was on his own. He was no longer in God's will. Remember, the temptation is not the issue. But yielding to the temptation, that is the issue. For him, for it. When we choose to violate God's will, we expose ourselves to the devil's attack. One question from this passage could be, why didn't Beersheba say no? Why didn't Beersheba say no? The king could have any woman he wanted, whether she was married or not. That was common practice. David knew he was getting ready to break the law. Again, verse 4, she came to him and slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she went back home. Then verse 5 says, the woman conceived and sent word to David. I am pregnant. According to the law, if a man and a woman committed adultery, they were to be stoned. Adultery was a death sentence. So Bathsheba tells David she's pregnant. Now here's Bathsheba's real question. What are you going to do about it? You are the king. I'm nobody. I had no choice. Am I going to have to die? That's what Bathsheba asked King David. Everything David does from verse 6 to verse 25 of chapter 11 is called covering your sin. Covering your sin. Okay? Even though David had made wrong decisions up to this point, he still had one more chance to repent and ask God for forgiveness. Uriah's death was a tragedy, but the sword kills one soldier after another. Uriah's death was a great tragedy. Uriah was one of David's valiant men. He was one of his most trusted defenders. He was not a soldier that could be killed by just any arrow. He did things in battle that ordinary soldiers could not do. Then down to chapter 12 in verse 1, we see that God is no longer silent. 
In verse 1, the Lord sent prophet Nathan to David. God initiated the move and stepped in. In Genesis, Adam and Eve hid when they sinned against God. And God came. In this passage, David kept silent and God came. This is the grace of God. God initiated the move to save David from his sin, from the guilt and shame of sin. God wants to restore him because he's not finished with David yet. God did not come to condemn him or lay a guilt on him. Jesus says in John chapter 3 verse 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. From this passage, we can see how prophet Nathan brings up the matter through a story. How gentle can you be? That's a wonderful question. How gentle can you be? And it says about a poor man with ill lamb, a pet lamb in his house. It is like a daughter to him. He has a rich neighbor who has a very large number of sheep and cattle. But when a visitor came, he took the poor man's lamb to prepare a meal. Imagine this. We are all angry at this. Just like David in verse 5. And David said, The man who did this deserves to die. It is so easy to see the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plant in your own eye. We are so, so quick to conclude, to judge, to backbite, to gossip, to judge people without acknowledging our own faults. Then in verse 7, Prophet Nathan said to David, You are the man. You are the man. And Nathan went on to recount the facts and state the consequences of the sin. But something happened. David saw the light and confessed. He did not deny or debate. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. Then in verse 13, Nathan's immediate response was, The Lord has taken away your sin. God did not come to condemn him. He came to forgive him. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. I just want to conclude with this illustration about feeling guilt, okay? 
gears operate much like the warning lights on, on the car. Okay? If you are driving along and the light flashes, saying, service engine soon. Service engine soon. Okay? You have a choice. You can stop the car, open the hood, and see what is wrong. Or you can ignore it and keep on driving. No one will know the difference until you burn up the engine. At that point, we realize what a, a stupid decision it was not to pay attention to the light on the dashboard. Some Christians are like that. When the light of guilt begins to flash, they choose to ignore it and keep on going. Then somewhere down the road of life, their lives fall apart. And they realize what a foolish decision it was to not stop and confess their sins. That is what David was trying to do. He was trying to ignore his conscience. But it was not working. After the adultery and murder, David was struggling. Psalm chapter 32 indicates he was experiencing sleepless nights. Everywhere he turned, he was reminded of it. David was tormented by his guilt. And I want to ask you, is there something you're feeling guilty about? You don't need to tell me. But you can talk to the almighty God. Don't come to the vicar to confess. No, I'm not God. Is there something you are feeling guilty about? Oh, I should have done it this way. You need to talk to God, the almighty. You cannot hide it away forever. God knows everything we do both in the secret and outside. Amen. Page 240, we stand to say the creed together.